Relatively new anyway. I've been here for five months, bought it about six months ago. But this is the first time I'm recording here in the studio, the echoey studio. I don't know how much the echo is going to show up. I'll find out in the final product here. But um, I haven't put up any sound baffles, any cushions or any whatever. I don't, I don't know the technical words for stuff. I'm not a gearhead. So, I don't even remember. I didn't look it up. I don't remember the last time I did this. I know it was at least over five months ago. Did I even record anything in 2018? Maybe in January? I don't know. I don't know. And as with, uh, as with some of these things, I don't even know if I'm going to put this up. If I'm going to. If I'm going to put this up, this is an exercise. Getting back to the spirit of this thing, this thing being my podcast, that for a while I was doing on a regular basis, regular as far as uh, as regular as I can get. I don't know. You know, this, here's the thing about regularity, and and um, I'm gonna give some disclaimers here, and not even disclaimers. Just I'm the spirit of this thing. When I started it, the reason I named it, what I named it, uh, after a Beatles song, "I've Got Nothing to Say, But It's Okay," is because I just wanted this to be stream of consciousness. Whether that's interesting or not, that's not up to me. I've had some people tell me, some, one, <laughs> one in particular, actually a couple. I jokingly say that I have three and a half listeners, and that's about right. At least those are the ones that I know that are friends on social media, Facebook to be uh, specific. And uh, one in particular uh, told me, let's call her Janet. Because that's her name. She told me that, you know, when she listened to this, it was interesting. Made her think, I believe is what she said. And that reminds me, it reminds me of Judd Apatow. I'm, I'm getting here, I, full disclosure again. I mean, I'm, I'm trying, it's one of these things, where, there's a dilemma. I'm trying not to try. I'm trying to relax. I'm trying to just be myself but then inevitably self-consciousness sneaks in there's this balancing act between trying and not trying what is my genuine self I don't know because as soon as I stop to think about it it changes things as soon as I am speaking into a microphone in a studio environment, 
albeit my home studio, but still, now it's, it's official because I've turned on a recording device and I'm speaking into a microphone with a screen in front of my face, and that's not natural. And then my goal is to just be natural in an unnatural environment. I've got, my, I've got some experience doing that. I've, you know, I've performed in front of a camera with some success, you know, acting, being natural. And this, I don't know, it's, it's weird. I did the best I could possibly do uh, in this situation. Here's, here's what I planned, getting back to the spirit. How many times am I going to say that and then not finish the thought? The spirit is, oh no, I did finish the thought. The spirit is to do this stream of consciousness. And for a while, I was uh, doing notes ahead of time. I was doing bullet points throughout the week or days or months or however long I went in between podcast episodes. And I was uh, recording stuff I'd like to talk about, right? And, you know, that's fine. That's one way to go. But today I decided, well, actually, sometime in recent days or weeks, I decided that the next time I do this, I'm just going to do this, whatever happens to be on my mind, and not plan ahead of time. The full disclosure part is that uh, I, I did kind of start doing a test before I recorded and I started with the, oh my God, is this really happening? And I did that as just like a, a take, just to remind myself how to use the Boss Jock app. How to hit record, uh, not how to hit record, how to play the music and turn my voice on and, and all that. It's, it's not that complicated, but I just had to remind myself and then I went to the bathroom because I have to do that a lot. And got myself a big old cup of water, which is sitting on the floor because I don't have a little table next to... I have this table here that my recording device, my iPhone is on and the microphone is on. And as a good little geek, a good little techie, I know better than to put water on the same table even though it's a large table, but I don't want to put water on that table. And so now I just realized, okay, here's something I need for this studio is I need another little table right alongside of this table, a place to put water. Otherwise, watch, here's what's going to happen. Well, maybe you didn't even notice. I had to lean over to the floor to grab my cup. Now I'm going to take a drink. See, whether... Whether I have a little table next to me or not, I'd still have to pause to take a drink. But here's the part I thought might be awkward. But it's not. <laughs> I just had to reach for the cup and put it on the floor and you wouldn't have even known. So I'm not even going to mention it again. Or will I? Maybe I will. What have I been doing for the last months or years since I did this, since I recorded this, a lot. Like I mentioned earlier, I bought a house. The motivation there was uh, rent kept going up and that wasn't gonna change anytime in the foreseeable future. So I thought, well, you know, I'm finally gonna take the advice of my real estate agent, the real estate agent that helped us sell the house when we got divorced. We'll call her Tina. 
because that's her name. She did a really good job for us when we sold the house, helped us get out from under it. We had a real estate agent before her that didn't do a good job, so she helped us out. And then she'd been staying in touch with me for the 10 years or so after the house sold, after the divorce. So when it came time, she kept telling me part of her sales pitch uh, was that uh, to t telling me to stop flushing money down the toilet, which is good advice. But for a while there, I really didn't have a choice as much as I don't like that phrase because we always have choices. But seriously, for a while there, my credit was bad because, well, it was just bad. The divorce, uh, the marriage, the divorce, it just, it was bad. The credit was bad. Okay, so even if I wanted to buy a house, I couldn't. And then at one point, I did make a choice uh, to not buy a house because I actually, before we moved into the apartment in 2010, we did have a chance. I had saved some money, had enough to put 3% down on something to get an FHA loan, and my credit was starting to be repaired a few years after the divorce. But the point is this. The houses that I wanted, they wouldn't let me buy uh, because some houses just don't take certain kinds of money like FHA loans. And what else? There was logic there somewhere. <laughs> I didn't buy a house because the houses that I wanted to buy, they they wouldn't let me buy. And the houses that they would let me buy, I didn't want. So I rented for eight and a half years. Still managed to save enough to put money down on this house, and now I got a house. And I, I couldn't uh, afford to live in San Diego County, but I just... Here's, here's the weird thing about real estate, is I moved... 25 or 30 miles north and I got a house that in San Diego County would have cost nearly twice as much. I'm not exaggerating. I'll get the details. I bought this place for $465,000 which I know if you're listening in some parts of the country you might be going, oh my god, that's expensive. But in California, yeah, not really. $465,000. This same house down where I was living where I was renting in San Marcos, just 25 miles south of here, I could not afford it because it would have cost more in the neighborhood of like $700,000. So point being, I've got a house. And although it's you know expensive relative to other parts of the country, I'm able to afford it, so I got it. And I'm no longer flushing money down the toilet. Now this is not to insult people who rent because I rented for years and it's there's really there's no right or wrong answer just like a lot of things in life there's really no right or wrong answer like is it better to rent or to own because it just depends what situation you're in there's pros and cons right i mean the one thing that was making me nervous about buying is i thought oh my god now all the responsibility is on me oh my god it's all my responsibility if anything goes wrong i gotta fix it i gotta pay for it Okay, so that's, that's part of the downside, but the upside is it's my place. Okay, technically the bank's place, but you know what I mean. I'm, I'm, I'm gaining equity, so that's an upside. The positive side of renting is if something goes wrong, you call the landlord and 
supposedly they'll fix it, but <laughs> that's not always the case, as I'm sure you know, if you have ever rented. But what's the bigger point there? The bigger point is there's really no right or wrong. There's no right or wrong. There's just different. It's just choices. You know, we don't know. I've been getting a lot more philosophical lately about stuff, just about everything. Getting down into the core, digging deep into the core of life, of everything. Just, it's, I've, okay. Now, if you are me, if you are a future me listening to this and you're hearing me say, I've been getting more philosophical lately, you're probably laughing. Because I've always been philosophical, and that's not a that's not a brag. Because sometimes it bores the shit out of people. I'm not bragging like, "Hey, I'm philosophical," because everybody is to some extent. I mean, it just depends on what you you know what you call philosophy. <laughs> that that itself. See how how deep can you go? I could have a philosophical discussion with myself about what is philosophy, and that's the kind of stuff I've been getting into, though. So when I say I've been getting more philosophical lately. Maybe the better way to put it is I've been more consistent. Yeah, as much as I fight the urge to do things on a regular basis, pretty much the only things I'll do on a regular basis year after year are bodily functions. That's about it. Anything else? Well, in work, I got to work. If I want to have a place to live and take care of my children, and such. But aside from that, aside from working and, uh, and eating, eating and sleeping and bodily functions, uh, I'm just not really consistent. And, and I, I know that does not make me new, un, unique. That doesn't make me unique. As far as I can tell, it's a pretty rare bird that is consistent, does things on a daily basis. I mean, aside from habitual stuff like drinking or shooting heroin <laughs> or, or, other, or other things that might be more constructive or destructive, I don't know. The thing is, I listen to a lot of podcasts. The thing is, I listen to a lot of podcasts where there are Famous and successful, put quotes around that and italicize it and uh, make it a, a unique font and make it blink. Successful people. And they even say that they're lazy. So it's all relative. I mean, even people who've written several books or produced a bunch of movies or they have a, 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 a career that people look up to, even those people go, you know, I'm kind of lazy. It really takes a lot of effort to get me to sit down in front of the computer to write. And this person's written like 15 books. So it's all relative. I'm just saying, I know I'm not unique. I know I'm not unique. I'm making a tongue twister all on my very own. Twisting my own tongue with my own made up phrases. I know I'm not unique when I say that I don't do things consistently. Part of the human condition, isn't it? 
Here's the part I've been digging deeper on lately, listening to a lot of Eckhart Tolle. And what I like about Eckhart is uh, he's not so much a, a, a egotistical guru kind of guy. He's not, he's not the kind of guy who's really doing sales pitches all the time or telling you how to set goals and, and achieve your wildest dreams and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I've, I've gone in and, out, in, in and out. God, more tongue twist, twisters. Breathe. Breathing is good. Eckhart Tolle. If you haven't listened to him, and if you're interested in just getting down to the nitty-gritty of what the hell is going on in my head, in my mind, and my mind, I hesitate to say things like soul and spirit and all that because I don't want to be one of those namaste people and talk about being spiritual. I don't even like to use that phrase. It's just, it's about... Getting down to what's really at the core of it. And one of the things that comes to mind, because he wrote The Power of Now. And I've looked through my journals going back to the decades, and it's kind of embarrassing that how many times I wrote, I'm always here, it's always now, and then I just forget. It's embarrassing, but once again, isn't that part of the human condition? Learn, forget, relearn, repeat, rinse. It just goes over and over again, right? So I'm reading my journals and I'm seeing, I've been, I've been writing, since I started writing my journals off and on since I was 19 years old and I'm 58 now, oh my God. What, how did that happen? Time is weird. The idea that it's always now and I'm always here is not new to me. It's certainly not new to humanity because this goes back to all of the writings from Buddha and Jesus and all the messiahs and the ancient Greeks and the Romans. They all had that in their writing. There were some thinkers thousands of years ago who came up with that. And surely somebody came up with that before those thinkers wrote it down, stop calling me Shirley. But Shirley, come on. And think of all, all the writing, writing and thinking, all the thinking that's been lost to antiquity because it either didn't get recorded in one fashion or another or it got lost, burned, <laughs> burned by somebody like the Library of Alexandria. It's not news. It's always now. I'm always here. So what's different this time? I'm wondering. My daughter, my daughter, Autumn. Let's call her Autumn because that's her name. Is that the third time I've used that joke, so to speak? Is that a joke? <sighs> she asked me, so when I said that, yeah, I've, I've felt that before when I was in my 20s. I've thought about that and I've felt it and I read it either from Alan Watts or, you know, because Alan Watts was a Western, you know, a, a person from England, some part of England, a Western mind. He was teaching Eastern philosophy to those of us in the West. I, I got introduced to things by him maybe before that. Where was it going? Oh, I remember. Here. 
I was going here. So she asked me, Autumn asked me, what's different? She asked me, was I fooling myself back then? Did I think, she asked me, do you think you were fooling yourself back then when you were in your 20s and you felt like you were having moments of enlightenment or awakening, whatever word you want to put on it? I don't know. Was I? Maybe I'm sure I caught glimpses of it. Some people theorize, uh, theorize. I don't need to use that word, do I? Why not? What the fuck? Some people say that we're born with that knowledge, that, that childlike, when we're children, we're in the now, right? Now, when I say some people theorize about it, it's just because I question everything. Now, what do we really know? Do kids really have a clue? One way of looking at it is, yeah, kids have a clue. And then what we do is we fuck up the kid's mind by filling it full of words. And then then the kid starts having this cloud of words that's separating the kid's mind from the present moment. That happens in the first few years and then and then that that cloud is just there as the child grows up and then we become adults that have that cloud there the cloud of words just words and cultural concepts and just things that just just a bunch of shit some of it's valuable i mean some of it i don't even want to get into details But this is the kind of stuff I've been focusing on a lot lately when it comes to everything. In fact, I've, the consistent part. So here's what I've been doing consistently is I've been waking up. <laughs> well, okay, that's nothing new. <laughs> I've been waking up every day for years now. For that's, that's not a new habit. But uh, I've returned. I, I don't like New Year's resolutions because resolution, resolutions kind of tend to be the kind of things that are made and then broken. <laughs> At least that's, again, part of the human condition. It doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to. We could make resolutions and keep them. But here, here's my word play. Here's the semantics I play with myself. I have refocused because early last year, I was, uh, and then, and then off and on throughout the year, I was starting my day with meditation and I, I did keep it up throughout the year. Um, but not every day, not all 365 days. I had to stop and say, were there 365 or 366 last year? 2018? No. Okay. Three, 365 days. But you know, for, I, I kept it up throughout the year. But not every day. So then I thought, well, let me, let me refocus and make this, just remind myself when I wake up in the morning, before work, before I get swept away. Speaking of things that just get crammed into your brain, these cultural things, this work that I have to do, I have to? This work that I choose to do because I'd like to have a place to live. How about that? I don't hate my job, but it's not me. 
And I like to remind myself of that first thing in the morning. And one way to do that is to meditate first thing in the morning. That could work for you, maybe not. I'm not suggesting, I'm just saying. Anybody who does meditate, um, they try to, they, it's recommended to do it consistently at a certain time of the day. For me, it makes sense to do it first thing in the morning. Some people like doing it midday. I, it, it doesn't matter what some people like to do. There, there's so many choices. You can do whatever the fuck you want or don't do it. God, what? Why the hostility? <laughs> I started going. I'm talking about meditating and presence and enlightenment and awakening, and I'm starting to get pissed off. I'm not, I wasn't really getting pissed off. It's just that the, that my tone just changed for some reason. So I've been starting my day with a little me time, and it feels good. And then throughout the day, see the meditation, here's the thing about meditation for me anyway, is that it's not just about that 10 minutes. I choose just to do 10 minutes. I don't sit there for an hour or two or three or cross-legged on the floor. For one thing, I can't sit cross-legged because I'm just not flexible enough. But aside from that, I do a 10-minute session. That's just something to get me, get me wherever, get me here. Something to get me here, get me now, get me into now and here. And then, of course, I'm going to drift in and out to past and future and doing work and all that. It's, it's fine. It's not about forgetting the past or not thinking about the future. At least this is what Eckhart Tolle says and a number of philosophical teachers have said. It's not about forgetting the past or, or not thinking about the future. It's about just shifting. It's about spending more time in the here and now. And you don't take glimpses of the past and the future, but spend more time in the here and now. Because otherwise, what happens is, if you keep thinking about, oh yes, in the future, things will be better, that never happens. Because the future never happens. It's always here and you're always, it's always now and you're always here. So when you get to the future, it's still going to be here and now. And so if you're always looking to the future as being this place where magic is going to happen and things are going to be perfect or think your life is going to be better, it, it, it never happens because you never get to the future. It's always here and it's always now. And I don't know why it is that Eckhart Tolle's words have resonated with me more than some other people's but they have. One simple thought, and here's a dilemma or a paradox, I'll tell you what it is. One simple thought is that I am not my thoughts. And the reason I say that's a paradox is because, is because that in itself is a thought. But what I think the way Eckhart um, dissolves that paradox is by saying that a thought is just a pointer it points you in the direction, but then at some point you have to let go of the thought and then just be. Observe the thoughts. Don't identify with the thoughts. Don't let the thoughts be you. 
Now, when I mentioned this to Jordan, my son, we'll call him Jordan because that's his name. <laughs> it just gets funnier every time, doesn't it? I said that to Jordan and he said that sounded like d dissociative. It sounded like crazy talk. It sounded like a kind of thing that somebody might say if they're having mental problems. Maybe. I don't know. It could be. I guess I have to watch out. Watch out for that. If you have read Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance, I mean, that's something that happened to the main character in that book because it happened to Robert Persig in real life, as I recall, is that at some point he got so deep into philosophy that he just lost himself, lost his mind. Had to be put away for a while. So I don't want to go there. <laughs> but the simpler thought, the thought that I don't think will make me crazy, although I don't know, maybe I'm already crazy. I wouldn't know now, would I? <laughs> but I, I appear to be functioning, so let's just, for the time being, assume I'm not crazy, relatively speaking. Don't identify with your thoughts because too many times what happens is we have all of these negative thoughts replaying in our minds and we think, oh, that's me. That's who I am. But those thoughts, that's not, it's part of us. It's, it's, but it's really just stuff that just keeps bubbling up. All those negative thoughts, the things that keep repeating over and over, it's just, they're passing through our minds, we are something else, deeper. Whatever your beliefs are, I don't know, it's your soul. If that's part of your beliefs, uh, that's not where I'm at. I don't know what, I don't even want to put a word on it because that's another way of, of, uh, of dealing with it. It's not even to give it a word. Whatever it is, it's me. It's just, it's presence. It's being. But it's not the thoughts. Not to identify with the thoughts. So that's been one biggie. That's been one biggie. For some reason, that's just resonated with me the, the, in a different way. At least it feels different. But here's the part that, that I don't know the answer to Autumn's question when she asked me. So was I kidding myself back then? It reminds me about being in love. You know when you, you're in love, you know? <laughs> I remember. I remember. It's been a while, but... When you fall in love, there tends to be this feeling of, oh, I've never felt this way before. Even if you've been in love several times, even maybe been married multiple times, you'll go, oh, no, but this time is different. In a sense, yeah, in a sense, that's true. It's always different. I mean, because you are different as time goes by. The person you're with is different. I'm sure the feelings are different, but there's something the same about them as well because it's love. So how about this? How about this feeling? This feeling that I have now, that somehow I've tapped into something different. It's not like I feel like I've totally found the way or reached enlightenment or that's, it's not like I've, like I'm done. It just feels different. 
I'm hearing some vibrating. I don't know, is that Jordan making something? I don't know if the heater went on or maybe Jordan's using the food processor. Do you hear that? It's all vibrations. It's just vibrations. I'll continue. Isn't everything vibrations? There's another thought that's not new. So yeah, that's where I've been at. I've been thinking about making sure that every day I have some time set aside, preferably in the morning. And so far I've been consistent with that for a few weeks now. And even in towards, you know, in the end of last year, I was being pretty consistent about it. And then, so then my going to bed ritual has been listening to different philosophers and, and mainly, again, Eckhart Tolle. And I don't want to keep repeating his name to the point where you get sick of it. Because that's sickening. I and mean, when anybody starts spouting about whatever it is that they're into now, like veganism or vaping or whatever the fuck, those two pop into mind because people can be insufferable. We can. Can't we? I don't want to be that way. I hope I'm not sounding preachy. I'm just saying what's going on in my head. Ironically, I'm saying I am not my thoughts. Then what is this coming out of my mouth? <laughs> that sounds disgusting. <laughs> but that's where that surfing thing, I mean, I don't know. I'm kind of surfing in between the part of me that's thought and the part that's not thought. And where does where is this coming from? I am me apart from my thoughts. And yet when I'm speaking, these are thoughts. But somehow I'm the director I'm picking and choosing what to say. But when I'm talking, I'm not really picking and choosing. It's just coming out and it's kind of weird. And even as I think about it now, it's just weird that I can keep talking and it just words come out, right? <laughs> yeah. So when I, this is the part that I know if you are a future me and you're listening to me talking about being more philosophical these days, I've always been like this. This shit can get kind of boring. On the other hand, <laughs> our five fingers. On the other hand, what you know, what's more important than this? Certainly not politics. And I am not gonna get anywhere near that right now, other than to say the word. That's the kind of stuff I'm staying away from, is to say, fuck that. That's not real. All of that shit, all that cultural stuff, all of that stuff that we get sucked into, that we can get sucked into, that can consume our lives. And, and granted, yes, yeah, sometimes it actually does impact us directly and we can't help but be sucked into it. But for the most part, it's just a bunch of bullshit, chatter, endless chatter. So speaking of thoughts... Not all thoughts are coming from the inside of our minds. There's these thoughts being injected into our brains and we get poisoned by them and just fuck that. I am minimizing, I am minimizing that stuff. And I even started getting pissed off just thinking about <laughs> even the vagaries of it, even the in generalities, just fuck that. Let me get back to nice stuff. 
breathe. I'm going to take a drink. Oh, speaking of drinking, it's been, even though I don't like to count the days or the hours, minutes, seconds, it's been about three years since I stopped drinking alcohol. I'm not looking for applause or anything because I am tripping on acid. Thank you. That's part of my stand-up act. There's a segue. I'm still doing stand-up now and then. Not consistently. Getting back to uh, getting back to the pattern of not being consistent with things. Stand-up is something I'm not consistent with. I still think about it now and then, and I go up now and then. But, you know, when... When's the last time I went up? I don't know. A few weeks, whatever. A month. I'll go months without going up, and then I'll go up a couple times a week or go up weekly, and then I'll go months without going up. But it's always just somehow lingering. Even when I'm not going up, I'll come up with some ideas and write them down in my phone, in my notes app. But what if I never perform again? Who cares? I enjoy it. And just like this, I mean, this is performative, right? I was just listening to Bo Burnham talk about his movie, Eighth Grade. And I haven't seen it yet, but I'm going to watch it maybe tonight. But he was talking about that. What it's like to be a human alive on planet Earth at this time in history. And specifically young people, because there's just this performative thing going on. And, and people my age are doing it too, but it, it tends to be even more so for people uh, much younger, that there's this multi-layered thing going on, this, this performance. I mean, being a teenager is always tough anyway. They're always being judging and being judged. I mean, we all are. But, but you know, being a teenager, being a young a young folk a young person it's it's just it's it's harder generally speaking and so now there's this performative thing that even the private thoughts are being put on youtube or uh, other it's just it's just, i don't even i'm not going to be able to say it as well as he did but there's a point there or there's not I'm going to watch the movie. I lost my train of thought, which is fine. I'm doing this. There was some connection. I'm performing now. Even though I'm in the room by myself. Even just having the thought that I might upload this for my three and a half listeners means you know, I'm performing. And even if I'm just doing it for me to listen to in the future. Oh, there's a segue. Another thing I've been doing consistently, I've been journaling, which ties into another thing I've been doing consistently, which is reading the Daily Stoic, both the newsletter and also the book. Because part of Stoicism uh, involves daily journaling, preferably first thing in the morning and, and at the end of the day. So I haven't been doing it exactly always first thing in the morning at the end of, end of the day, but I've been writing a lot. I mean, and, and back to writing pen to paper, because it's different. 
And I, I, I had done that for years, but then I got out of that habit because electronic things happened. So I would file away different emails in, in folders called journal, but it really wasn't journaling. It was just stuff I was sending to people. And then I'd go, oh, that's an interesting thing. I'll journal away, but it's not the same. Because the journaling is something that's for me. And this here, this could be, this could be journaling, but it's, no, it's not the same. It's not the same because I am, there's certain things I wouldn't say here that I would write, that I would write to myself as much as I'm trying to be open and just stream of consciousness. I mean, there's certain things I'm going to keep to myself. We all have those things. I'm filtering now because I'm not, I'm obviously not I'm not, obviously not going to share those things. I'm just asking you to think about those things that really you don't share with anybody. So journaling is different. And even though you know when I'm journaling it's not necessarily always every day going to be something that I don't want to share with people. It's just that my intent is not to share it with people. It's for me. There's some crossover, though, because some of the stuff I'm talking about now, it's, it's what I'm journaling about. Here's a big issue. My hair and beard. <laughs> yeah. I posted today on uh, Facebook and Instagram a picture of myself. And along with a statement, something to the effect of, while the world struggles with the economy and global warming... I'm focusing on whether or not to trim my hair and beard. Hashtag life. Hashtag important. Hashtag important. Hashtag decisions. Something like that. So I actually journaled a few pages about this because of the absurdity of it. On the one hand, appearance is important. We judge each other on the way we look. And right now, I look, <laughs> I, I don't, I just, I, I've got a big, my beard has never been bigger. My hair is pretty long. My hair might have been longer before, but it's pretty scraggly. My beard is scraggly. But part of me thinks, I don't give a fuck. Part of me. But I obviously do. I, I obviously do give a fuck or I wouldn't be talking about it right now and I wouldn't have journaled three pages about it. And without trying to totally recount the entire three pages, it's multi-layered. <laughs> it's, oh God, that makes it sound so grandiose. But I, it, there's a spectrum. It's everything from I don't give a fuck to I really do care. The truth is with many things lies somewhere in the middle. On the one hand, appearance isn't all that important, right? <laughs> right? Do I really care what the person at Ralph's thinks about me? Yeah, I guess to an extent. But on the other hand, no, I don't know. And just as I was talking about something earlier, oh, I remember the renting versus buying a home. 
There's no right or wrong answer. Same thing with my hair and beard. There's no right or wrong answer. Several years ago, I was clean cut, right? My hair was not, was not totally, I wasn't totally uh, clean, uh, shaven down to being bald, but I, I got even, when I went to the barber, it was a two, was it two eighths of an inch, three eighths? I, it was a fraction of an inch. It was shorter than an inch all the way around. And my face was clean shaven. I got headshots to prove it. In fact, that's what recently made me think about that is uh, my, my first Facebook. There was this thing going around Facebook saying uh, an aging challenge or how has aging affected you or something like that. But it was 10 years. I, I went back to my first profile picture that I could find on Facebook and it was a headshot. <laughs> clean shaven. Fraction of an inch hair on top of my head. Clean, totally clean shaven face. Doing my best blue steel. And then now, 10 years later, big old scraggly looking dude. This feels more natural to me. I guess that's because shaving is not natural. So of course this is more natural. This would be like, this is what I would look like if I were living in a cave. <laughs> But how far do I let it go? I don't know. There's no right answer. I was very close last night just to, I was grabbing onto my beard thinking, okay, I just one snip of the scissors and, and I'm, you're back to being able to see my chin again. I'm not talking about shaving it off. I was just talking about trimming it down because right now it's so, it's so big. It's like going a few inches below my chin to the point where, you know, it's a Santa Claus looking beard. Kind of like a homeless, homeless Santa. I even hesitate to, to make homeless references because that's not sensitive. That's insensitive. But, I, but it's what I look like. I'm, I'm sure people, some people would look at me and think, gee, what's, what's with that guy? I'm not sure. But pretty sure. <laughs> I did have a, a former boss. I went to a, a retirement party a number of months ago, sometime last year, and... Uh, one of my former bosses that I hadn't seen in years and she hadn't seen me in my current scraggly nature and my current scraggly look. And, and she goes, you look like a hobo. <laughs> She's from Boston. She goes, you look like a hobo. <laughs> so see, I know at least one person thinks it and I'm pretty sure a lot more. The word hobo, that cracked me up though. I can't remember the last time I heard somebody use the word hobo. But here's the thing, uh, my motivation for grooming myself, would, would it would be arbitrary because I don't have any motivation for it. There's no reason for it. There's no reason for growing it. There's no reason for trimming it because I'm not trying to get a job. I'm not, I, my appearance doesn't matter. I work from home and even when I do go into work, there's nothing they can say. I can't be fired over having long hair and a beard at the kind of job that I have. I mean, there's plenty of people, even distinguished people, not that I'm distinguished, but what I'm saying is, you know, when I go into the, my place of employment and there's people there that are PhDs who have long hair and a beard, 
So my motivation isn't to find employment or to keep my employment. So that's off the table. So what other reason would I have? Finding a mate? <laughs> that's not in the cards. I just, I'm not interested in that anymore. So I'm not motivated by that. Um, uh, my stage persona? Kind of. I've thought about that a little bit. But even then, it's like, it doesn't matter if I'm clean shaven or scraggly looking. I'm funny. I can be funny. I can be funny no matter how I look. So it's, that's not my motivation for growing it and or cutting it. So what else? What else is there? That's part of what the three pages was about because it's arbitrary. Part of my motivation might be, oh, because I care about what the receptionist at the dentist's office thinks of me. But then again, who cares? Because... They're going to think, not just the receptionist, just anybody. People are going to think what they think about you no matter how you look. If you're in a tuxedo or if you're, the people are going to think a certain thing about you. And that could be positive or negative depending on their point of view, right? If some people look at somebody in a tuxedo and they go, oh, what a distinguished looking gentleman. And other people look at somebody in, in a tuxedo and say, fuck that guy. Right. Same thing with somebody who's who's homeless or looks homeless or just or looks like a hobo. Somebody might look at that person and go, "What's with that bum?" And somebody else might hand the guy a dollar and go, "Hey, buddy, hang in there." So on the one hand, it's superficial that I should be spending so much time thinking about my appearance and whether or not I should keep my hair and my beard long and how long I should let my beard grow. It's superficial. But on the, on the other hand, it's also helping. It's a meditative exercise here. I'm thinking about it and it's, it's important. It's not important. Is it important? Yes. No, it's all true. It's all false. It's <laughs> I'm using it. I'm going to keep my hair and beard the way they are right now. And eventually, I don't know, I'll just let it keep growing down to my ankles or, or, or I'll cut it some, at some point. I don't know. In the meantime, I'll use it as a meditative tool. Speaking of that, that's another thing that Eckhart said recently actually he didn't say it recently i listened to it recently because yesterday i lost my temper not not like full blown but i i we were at the dentist and it was just this minor thing and that's what pisses me off about my behavior is is uh, my son had had un, had zipped his jacket in such a way incorrectly where it, it got out of alignment and he couldn't unzip it and and i i got I eventually was trying to help him, but not in a not not in a calm way, because I knew that he had to go into the dentist chair, dental chair, to get a filling in a few minutes, and I was frustrated because the zipper was stuck. And at some point, I just yanked it and broke a couple of the teeth of the zipper, and it wasn't and it wasn't that that upset me. What upset me is the way I handled it. Even, even just talking about it now, just see, because here's, 
Here's the thing. If you don't know me very well, if you are not a future me, I used to lose my temper a lot more. It happens so rarely now that it's worth noting. And I know I'm not imagining that I've gotten better at this because I just, I just know. Some things you know. I haven't recorded it. I haven't been keeping track. I don't have the metrics. I don't have the data to back it up. But I'm, I just know it. it used to be that there usually wouldn't be a day that would go by and definitely not a week where I didn't just lose my shit over something. And now it just it it just hardly ever happens. And when it does, I just I have zero tolerance about that. I don't give a fuck about the lizard brain and that I'm a human being and all that. Maybe maybe striving for perfection isn't realistic, but I'm gonna strive for it. Because it made me feel like shit. <clears throat> I I did not like the way it made me feel the way it made Jordan feel. I could tell by the look on his face, you know, that, that I was treating him like a child in public in front of other people. And then that's the part that started getting to me as well is then, then I was starting to worry about how I looked or how, how the people might have been thinking about me. F- fuck that. It's, it's about Jordan. It was about the fact that I made him feel bad. And he's already got, he's already got social anxiety anyway, like, like all humans do, but I mean, he really does. And it's just, it's been, it's a lot of progress for him even just to get out in public and to interact with people. And me like an asshole, I go yanking on the jacket and then I I fought the urge to throw it across the room and I didn't. And even the picture that I'm painting to you now is like, in my memory, it's like, it's, it's, it's not that I was like raging. It's just that I was, you know, not being nice. I was just being... It was bad enough. It doesn't matter the extent. It doesn't matter how bad it was. It was bad enough. And I did not like it. Have I made that point? So back to Eckhart. So last night I listened to him talking about that, talking about anger, answering somebody's question about anger and how to deal with anger. And again, I've lost my point. It's okay. All I could say is that he helped me again. I'm pausing. He does that a lot. It helps. I'm even thinking about doing that more when I do stand-up. I actually did the last couple times I went up. And you wouldn't know it by listening to me talking for the last 55 minutes or so because I think I've been maybe talking uh, without pauses or I've been pausing. I don't know. I'll listen back to this and see. I'll do my post-mortem. Eckhart pauses. Not not, uh, agonizingly so, at least not to me, but he pauses. Because that's another thing, aside from not identifying with your thoughts, is that silence is important. Anger. That's what he said. That was the advice he gave the guy. 
It's to observe the anger. And he admitted, he had said, you know, this is tough because anger just happens. You usually, you usually only have a second or two, a few seconds. It's hard to measure, but anger, it just pops up. But if you're lucky, and I have been better at this. This is the part that I've been able to do is to recognize it. So when I recognize it, I'm talking about I, the deep I, the part of me that's not my thoughts or my emotions or my, or my anger is that deeper part, the soul, if you will, recognizes that, feels it, feels the chemical surge, feels that lizard brain kicking in and goes, oh, no, 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 no. You're not taking over. Not this time, pal. So I've been better about that. And that's what Eckhart was talking about. And, and that wasn't, again, it wasn't new to me last night when I listened to that, but it reminded me that that's what I didn't do yesterday. So my post-mortem on this, my zero tolerance, my not wanting it to happen again, is that when I feel that happening, just observe it. And remember, it's just not that important. Nothing, even though I'm getting serious now, let me get back to not being so serious because the thing about it is all of this shit that's going on in our lives, it's not that important. On the one hand, yeah, life is important, right? Yeah, it is. However, comma, don't take it so seriously, Joe. <laughs> Shifting to talking about yourself in the third person, don't take it so seriously. That jacket, that jacket. It was not that important that a zipper was stuck. Not important enough to make your son feel like shit and to act like a douchebag. It's not that important. Just chill. Relax. And I'll talk to me next time. Bye. La da da do 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 Just when I have all the answers, all the questions change. One day the world looks so normal, next it looks so strange. Looking over the ocean on a sunny day. I'd like to stay here forever, it would be okay. Life will continue to change You gotta get used to it You know it's all part of the game You win and you lose to it You gotta get used to it Do-do-do-do-do-do-do